welcome to A Murderous Affair, the podcast where we talk about women in history known for mayhem and murder. My name is Gabrielle, and it is officially spooky season. Uh, y'all, I've been packing in as much as I can to celebrate this joyous time. Like, I, I love Halloween. We all know this. Um, and so far this season, I've carved pumpkins, I've watched movies, and this actually past Friday the 13th, I went into two different haunted houses with my friends from Scaredy Cast. Now, if you guys don't know who Scaredy Cast are, they are kind of like a horror and hauntings podcast that talk about all things spooky and cryptid. Um, they were the ones who helped put together the Scaredy Con event where I performed live for the very first time, which was super exciting. And fun thing we actually did a walkthrough of the haunted houses at the sanctum horror and i am dying to see how that video turned out so go ahead and check out scaredy cast subscribe on all their platforms and watch us get completely scared as we walked through it was really fun it was locally owned it was a little bit smaller but honestly i feel like that made it better because it felt more like there was more love put into it so it was tons of fun. I definitely recommend it. If you guys are ever in the Arizona area, check out Sanctum of Horror. Anyway, this all goes to say that as well as it being Friday the 13th, it was actually National Haunted House Day as well, which kind of worked out as it also inspired our latest episode. Um, this is another episode that is actually local to where I am in Arizona, and I heard about it from a friend and knew immediately that this is something I needed to talk about. So let's talk about Chandler, Arizona and the House of Horrors, aka the case of April McLaughlin who is also apparently known under aliases April Addison and Sydney McKinley. So this is a more recent case as of this past September 2023. First contact with April McLaughlin came when the Arizona Humane Society conducted a welfare check. So while this doesn't really have anything to do with murder, it does have a lot to do with animal cruelty. Um, and hoarding different animals. There's also some elder abuse allegations coming in later, so just so everybody is aware of what this case is going to cover. And since it's ongoing, there's not really a solid ending of it. We're still kind of going through the legal process, but this is everything we know to this date. So on September 9th, 2023, the AZ Humane Society conducted a welfare check, and prior to this point, neighbors had made dozens of calls and complaints for weeks regarding smells coming from the house, possible hoarding conditions, and, and concerns about animal cruelty. Now, upon arrival, the agents responding to the welfare check noticed a strong odor of urine and feces and a ton of flies that were swarming around the front door. McLaughlin answered the door, but refused access to her home. Not sure exactly what happened, but before leaving, the agents were able to look into the backyard where they saw both mobile and immobile dogs, some of whom looked like they had open wounds and dogs that had ribs sticking out and looked emaciated. So they returned again on September 12th and saw even more dogs who looked to be in need of medical attention. And this time they were able to take a little bit of a better look around the property. Um, and when they did in the post-visit uh, report, the document says that, quote, some of the dogs had the following concerns. Lameness in their legs, held head tilt with potential neurological concerns, exposed skin raw due to dragging, and some without water. They also saw that there were at least 25 to 30 dogs visible in the main areas of the home, not including those areas behind closed doors. 
there were 10 to 15 wire crates stacked on top of each other with dogs inside of them. There were another two visits by investigators, one on September 19th, where investigators were not allowed to come back inside the home, but where they were able to convince McLaughlin to release two dogs that needed care to them. And finally, another on September 22nd, where the AZHS came with a warrant and officials to search the home. It was on this last visit that they realized not only were there a ton of animals in danger, but that McLaughlin's elderly mother, Kathleen, lived in the home after she'd suffered from a stroke in 2020. And then, of course, due to the everything that happened in 2020, she was unable to find other housing arrangements and she remained in need of medical care. She'd basically been forced to live on the couch for the past three years because all of the dogs in the home took up every other room. This house was only like 970 to 980 square feet. So there wasn't a lot of room for there to be this many dogs and two humans. In the post report document, it says, quote, April knowingly obtained a POA on her mother to control her finances and restrict her from accessing them. So she obtained power of attorney and by doing so, got control of everything her mother had, essentially. Um, she had all control of her mother's finances and was the only one able to access her mother's bank account. She also didn't provide a phone for her mother to use, and there wasn't one working in the house, and there also wasn't even a working bathroom in the house. Um, the bathroom was completely blocked up and had no running water. The social security benefits her mother was receiving were supposedly being used to pay for mortgage and groceries, but the house was found with barely any food fit for human or animal consumption. In an interview, her mother Kathleen said that she was scared of her daughter. She alleged that she was physically abused by McLaughlin at least twice and, quote, she threatened me a couple times that if I complained, She'd pack me in the car and drop me off someplace. When asked to clarify, it said that Kathleen had been told by McLaughlin, by her daughter, that she was, quote, too much trouble. When the house was being searched, the air quality was so terrible that the fire department had to actually be called to test and see if this was even something that they could inhale. They found that the levels of ammonia in the air were too hazardous for anyone to be able to safely breathe. According again to this search document, quote, several crates were stacked with animals inside. The animals were sitting or laying on puppy pads and towels that were caked in urine and feces. None of the animals had access to water in home, in the backyard, or inside the crates. The ground and walls of the residence were covered in urine and feces. So, when they initially looked in on the home, they had estimated 25 to 30 dogs. There were a total of 55 dogs in need of immediate medical attention. And when they searched the freezer, they actually found the bodies of five small dogs. They're thinking that were puppies. So in total, she's being charged with 110 or so following crimes. 55 counts of animal abuse neglect, which is a class one misdemeanor. 55 counts of cruelty to animals and failure to provide medical, medical care, which is also a class 1 misdemeanor. There's also one count of vulnerable adult abuse, which is a class 2 felony. To add to this absolute nightmare, apparently McLaughlin had been advertising her home as a, quote, privately run animal shelter known as the Special Needs Animal Welf Well, Oh my goodness. <laughs> what is with this name, by the way? Like, I understand it kind of gets the point across, like, oh, cool, it's a shelter or a rescue that takes in 
animals that have special needs or, you know, physical disabilities or whatever. But like this name is Special Needs Animal Welfare League. And it was just kind of known as Snawl, S-N-A-W-L. It's just a terrible name. Anyway, she had this listed and everything so that people would contact her and ask if she could take in this dog or that dog. And this included various rescues from in and out of state. Apparently, she would go to rescues that were maybe overcrowded, overrun, or just didn't have the ability to care for dogs that had certain like disabilities um, and would say, oh, I'm an animal shelter that, you know, specifically takes in these dogs to care for them and would kind of like present herself as this, oh, this wonderful, amazing person who can take in this dog and give them a, a good home. And that was the farthest thing from the truth. Um, in an interview, there is Shira Scott Astroff, who actually ran a shelter in California, in Los Angeles. And she revealed that she was one of those out-of-state people who were lied to by Laughlin. She thought that she had placed three dogs in good care and is now saying, quote, it's been really emotional. It's horrible. We were under the impression that she had four dogs in total, our three and her dog. So she was also lying about the amount of dogs she had in the home. John Schill is a lawyer who represents various rescues who had dogs in McLaughlin's care and believes that the evidence found and shown in court will, quote, get the point across that April should never be allowed to have these dogs back. Because that's something that she's been trying to do. After the initial seizure to get some of the dogs out of the home, she appealed to get originally 47 of the dogs back in her care. Um, this meant that she had to show up in court and prove that she didn't abuse the dogs and that they were in a, you know, safe and clean environment. This actually ended up going to court on October 11th, and she changed her original appeal from 47 of the dogs to 13 of them. And luckily, because there is some good in this world, the judge absolutely refused her appeal. Right now, all the dogs are in the care of the AZHS, but in two weeks, McLaughlin will be allowed to appeal again, and I'm just hoping that the judge remains firm in that she's not allowed to have any of these dogs back. I mean, I don't know if there's a way to bar her from ever owning animals again, but if so, I feel like that should be applied here. So when all this happened, she was arrested and she was released on a 2500 bail bond. And there's rumors that she actually owned a second home that she stored. More, stored. I'm using that word specifically because that's all these animals were to her, were just storage. But she, so there's rumors that she actually owned a second home where more dogs were being kept. Um, so when her initial arrest happened, after she was released, you know, investigators were following her trying to see if there was any truth to this claim. I'm still not sure if there is any truth to this. There haven't been any, um, like, details released about that. Um, it was more people who kind of, you know, were close to the investigation. Rumors started coming out about this. There's also claims that she took some of the dogs that she knew were in more, like, dire need um when everything was kind of coming to light she took them before the final search happened with the warrant and she just left them in the Arizona desert like she drove them out to the middle of the desert and left them and it's I know like not everybody here who listens is from the state of Arizona but right now it's fall but it's still like 
90 to 100. You know, it doesn't get to be like, oh, cool fall weather. And so especially just taking animals that, you know, have like physical disabilities and who were so horrendously treated and dropping them into the desert, like that just speaks to a whole new level of cruelty. Again, that's just a rumor. It's just a claim, but it's starting to carry a little bit of weight to people because there was a hiker who came across a lost dog and when he reported it, it seemed to match the description of a dog that had been given to McLaughlin, had been placed in her care, but wasn't found in the uh, the final search and removal with every other dog that was removed from the house. And that's something that's been consistent is that there are people who say they gave their dogs or gave um, certain dogs to McLaughlin, relocated them to her. And yet when the final search and seizure happened, when all these dogs were removed, they weren't found among them. So either, you know, they died due to her care and um, she's just not saying like where, you know, if they, if she buried them, if she, you know, had them cremated or what, or they're thinking maybe there's another location she kept them in. You know, there's a lot of confusion about that as well. Um, obviously this case is not over. It is still developing, but these are all the details that have come out just from released reports from the Humane Society, um, just from recent court dates and recent um, things that have come out. There is, I believe, I don't know if it's the full court case, but as of October 11th, the day she went into appeal, that is, um, I believe, available on YouTube because it was open to the public. Um, and there are you know, videos and pictures and everything released of what it looked like inside her home. So if you are interested in looking at those things, I will say like as I scrolled through various news articles and kind of gathered all this information, I didn't look too deeply just because I find it's really sad. It's definitely hard to look at, but if you are interested in seeing like the total view of what the home looked like, what was happening inside, what the animals looked like, that is all available online. But that's all the information that we currently have right now when it comes to the April McLaughlin uh, Chandler House of Horrors. This is one that I, again, will be following as it develops because I feel like not only because it's a local case, but because it's currently happening and it's a little different from what we usually talk about on these episodes. But I thought it was important to talk about and you know, it kind of covers a different area that we haven't really gone into, which is sometimes these cases and cruelties happen, but they're not done against humans, they're done against animals. So I thought it would be an interesting one to at least mention and talk about on this podcast. But I would love to know what you guys think, what your thoughts are, if you know anything about the development of this case, if you've heard of it, feel free to reach out to me and let me know your thoughts. Um, you can reach me at Frumius Reads, F-R-U-M-I-O-U-S-R-E-A-D-S. I am on Twitter, Tumblr, basically any and all social media. And make sure you subscribe and follow the podcast. We have new episodes out three times a month. You can find us on Spotify, Podbean, Apple, Libsyn, basically any and everywhere that you can listen to podcasts, you can find A Murderous Affair. But as for now, that's all we've got for today. Thank you so much for listening, you guys, and I will talk to you next week. Okay, stay spooky, friends. Goodbye.